Welcome to Harvest Talk, the podcast of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. Harvest is a community church with a vision to change the world, and we do that by reaching people and building their lives. And for more on Harvest Community Church, please check out our website on hccgoshen.org. And I am Pastor Jeremy, and it's an honor to share some time uh, with you uh, today. And hey, listen, before uh, I get started on our topic today, I just want to kind of let everybody know what's going to be happening on our podcast uh, after Easter. And so we're in the middle of a series called Authority, Accountability, and Unity, and uh, that'll take us up almost to Easter. And then right after Easter, um, basically what's going to happen is here at Harvest, we're going to be doing a series called Home Again, and it's going to be about relationships. We're going to be talking about marriage, we're going to talk about parenting, romance, uh, just relationship wisdom, those kinds of things. And so right now what we have done is uh, we have put together a questionnaire that we're sending out to our congregation, and we're going to be taking feedback from that questionnaire to help uh, design the series. And so I'm going to be doing this series in part with my wife, Tiffany, and uh, we are going to be discussing uh, those items on Sunday mornings, uh, several of the Sunday mornings, both of us together. Um, but then if there are questions and things in the, in the questionnaire that we can't get to on Sunday morning, what we're going to be doing in April is Tiffany's going to be joining me on uh, the podcast, and we're just going to sit down and the two of us together talk through issues of parenting, relationships, raising kids. Uh, uh, We can talk about uh, relating to adult parents, um, you know, uh, work, leadership, all those kinds of things that relationships entail, Uh, and so that's what we're going to be doing. And so uh, we're going to be doing that after Easter on the podcast. And so listen, we would love help uh, for feedback on this. And so this questionnaire is going to be linked on the Harvest Community Church Facebook page. Uh, I believe it's just HCC Goshen on Facebook. You can go there and find it. And uh, we'd love for you to fill it out. And like I said, anything that we don't deal with on Sunday morning, uh, we are going to be uh, dealing with um, uh, on the podcast. And so hopefully we can get everything in, all the feedback that we get back. And so that's where we're going. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at the second part of our series, Authority, Accountability, and Unity. Um, I mentioned last week, this is when we started it, we dealt with authority last week, that uh, several uh, weeks ago uh, we were as elders discussing the issue of unity. And I just kind of said something there that I talked to them about, which is that unity is not built on 100% agreement. Uh, that's impossible. I don't even agree, as we'll talk about in the relationship series. My wife and I don't agree 100% of the time. And so then you have to figure out what do you build unity on. And what I told the elders is you've got to take sin out of the picture for this to make sense for just a moment. But unity is built around a common vision, common values, and trusting the heart of leadership. And, and, and that kind of helped because if there's lack of agreement, you can still find a common vision, common values, and, and trusting the heart of leadership. Now, it's an imperfect definition, but it did help out a lot of people I've talked with about it. But you have to understand how you get to that. And so we're going to get to that in unity part next week in a lot more detail in that podcast. But I said, before you get there, you've got to deal with two things that are very important. First of all is authority. What is good authority that you can trust? If you're going to trust the heart of a leader or a group of leaders, how do you get there? And so we talked about that last week, but then you got to deal with the sin issue. Cause I said, you got to take sin out. That doesn't mean you don't deal with sin. It means that when sin issues arise, you have to handle it differently than just, quote, trusting the heart of your leader. And so today I want to talk about that issue because that issue has to do with accountability. How do good life-giving organizations and how do good life-giving leaders hold themselves accountable or are, how are they held accountable? 
And so that's where we're going to go uh, today. And so, first of all, I just want to make this blanket statement, and I feel like I need to, even though some people think I might be making a, 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 a washing something under the rug. But that this that's this. There is no perfect human system of accountability. Okay, um, there there there's a lot of ways to help it out, but fundamentally, uh, people can be deceptive. Um, Jesus had one of his disciples betray him. Okay, now Jesus knew what was happening. Uh, but the rest of the people in the organization were clueless. And I would submit to you that in an organization as well-run as Jesus's was among the 12 disciples, if there's still someone that can seep in, have a sin issue, betray the organization, uh, do damage with the finances, uh, then it can happen anywhere. Now, that's not an excuse. That's just a reality. And, and, and honestly, that reality should not just get us step us back where we go, you see, it's going to happen, but really should motivate us to figure out how to do accountability the right way. Man, if Jesus can allow it, can have it happen among his own friends, then we should be vigilant in doing accountability. You know, Paul, we talked a little bit about Paul uh, and leadership last week. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy as well. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's interesting that Paul tells Timothy, you need to guard your life and your doctrine. You need to guard yourself and your teaching. Now listen, right now, uh, we're really good at guarding people's teachings. I mean, if you want to find out something you dislike about teaching, like it's all over the place. It's easy to Google uh, Jeremy Gwaltney's theology, what do you think of it? You could probably find something out there about it, okay? Uh, it's easy to guard teaching of other people. Um, it's easy, easy to compare your teaching to other people. But it's not so much that easy to do life. And yet, both of those are issues that Paul says help to save yourself. They keep you in a good, healthy spot, and they save your listeners. They keep them in a good spot. If the leader is guarding his life well, if he's guarding his doctrine well, then he lives well and his people live well. And so that's one reason why last week we talked about Paul saying that elders had to be above reproach. It's it's a way of living your life well. And listen, a good leader should seek out accountability and should seek out for ways for not only himself, but for others to be able to watch his life and be accountable. Now, there's several ways to do this, and, and I'm going to tell you where we're laying in just a second, but there are legal ways to do this. There's legal ways for organizations to be accountable. You can have audits. You can have board reviews. Your board of directors can look into items. Uh, you know, There can be regular reviews of employees and, and leaders and that kind of stuff. And listen, I encourage organizational leaders out there to do all these things and do them well. Listen, uh, if you're a leader of an organization, you work under a board or something like that, figure out the accountability thing quickly and be a, an open book about it uh, because that just helps you out in the long run. In politics, we keep our, our leaders accountable with elections, investigations, and those kind of things. And that's part of, if it's working well, and we can argue about that, uh, the accountability process. The leader does something that we don't like or there's a scandal, they can either be investigated or we'll vote them out of office. Um, but, but here's the thing that I want to talk about before we get into uh, churches and faith-based organizations is how do we do that well? And I want to bring something up. In a lot of places, um, but a lot of places you hear this phrase, organizations need checks and balances 
versus a versus uh, checks and balances. Now, here's the thing. Um, I'll, I'll hear that quite a bit. And yes, I absolutely believe in checks and balances, especially when it comes to the government. Um, I think that's very, very important. Um, it's a good thing. Our, our system of government was built on checks and balances. However, here's something you need to remember. Um, our founders, for very good reasons, were highly suspicious of government power. Okay, Almost all of our founders really did not like the monarchy. They did not like that idea. And then even the founders that liked a strong central government didn't like the monarchy. But those that were were really liked, did not like the monarchy, but didn't still agreed with the strong central government, they were highly suspicious of, of the power of a pure democracy. Meanwhile, those that did not like the monarchy and did not like a strong central government idea, they were highly in favor. Uh, they were suspicious of a strong central government, so they were highly in favor of a pure democracy. And so when the founders sat down to try to figure this thing out, it was built off of a suspicion of abuse of power in government. And so checks and balances became a way that the three branches of government were there to keep any branch from obtaining an abusive level of power. And I think that for government, obviously, I think has worked pretty well for the last 200 plus years. Not perfectly, but it is it has worked uh, relatively well. But here's the thing. It's fundamentally based on distrust of power in government. Again, in government, I think that's a good thing. I think skepticism in the power of government is is usually healthy. However, when you're leading a faith-based organization or a church, it becomes interesting because faith, by nature, requires trust. And so if you build accountability completely on a checks and balances mistrust system, sooner or later that's going to run you're going to run into problems there. You can't have trust and distrust built into a system. You can't have faith and distrust built into a system. And so there's got to be a way to build accountability in a faith-based system that doesn't just automatically throw everything out. You can't sit there and go, well, if we're going to trust people, then we'll just throw everything out. You can't do that. Honestly, it's one of the reasons why faith-based organizations uh, run into problems or typically oftentimes there's a lot of corruption in them. Uh, a lot of it accidental because they, quote, trusted the person in charge. We trusted him or her. There was corruption, it was rampant, that kind of thing. So you can't just, you can't go, well, we don't build everything on distrust, but you can't just build everything on, we just trust the people and don't ask questions either. So what's the answer? What I favor is the concept of team and accountability. In other words, there's always a team approach in handling leadership and the organization. There's a leadership team, there's leadership with finances, all, there's a team with finances, and this team gives accountability to each other, but also submits to accountability elsewhere. In other words, uh, there, one person can't lead by themselves. There's always multiple eyes seeing multiple things, and they're always accountable to whatever organizations or public entities or financial entities that are, are, are necessary. And so when you're working with teams and accountability, uh, this is kind of what I think is very, very important. Uh, first of all, is the heart of the leader. Is the leader teachable, humble, eager to be accountable, et cetera? Um, those are things that we talked about last week. Uh, you know, for example, with me, uh, this is the way that I and my staff works. Um, first of all, um, money is not handled by any one person ever. Uh, we have multiple people that check it out. 
Um, our books are regularly looked at on a monthly basis by a group of elders and as well as a group, an oversight team, which I, I'll explain in just a few minutes. Um, I don't ha- ever handle money here at Harvest. Um, in fact, I think for legal reasons, I technically, my name is on some of the accounts, but I'm not even sure about that. I'm not even sure how to get into them. Um, I don't handle the money. I've never counted the offering. Um, I know the procedures are good, but I don't actually know what the procedures are because I've never had to do it. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, that's just, I, I, I've got paperwork I fill out for everything that I purchase. Like, that's just kind of it. We, I want to be above reproach when it comes to handling, uh, doing the money. And so that's what we do. Um, when it comes to meetings, for example, I will not have a meeting with a member of the opposite sex as me, um, other than my wife, uh, and my, my girls, uh, unless there's somebody else in the room. Um, all of our office doors here, in fact, you can kind of barely see it on the video. They all have windows so that you can see in. Um, we that's just we have procedures for how to do those kinds of meetings. Why? Because we want to be above reproach, and that's just how we do it. I want people to know what I'm doing. I want people in my life knowing what I'm doing. And so it starts with the heart of the leader. Then I think it's healthy to build in three kind of three kinds of accountability. And Paul says. This some leaders kind of kick back. Well, you're accountable to everybody. Well, yes and no. Um, Paul says something interesting that the evidence of the Holy Spirit working is that we submit to one another in reverence to Christ. So there is a way in which leaders of an organization should submit to everyone out of reverence of Christ. So how does that work? Well, here I favor kind of three types of relationships. First of all, you need to have oversight relationships in your life. These are people of consequence that are checking in on you. These are people that you report to. These are people that you can kind of let them examine your life or examine your work or examine your vision, examine your organization, and and they have insight um, into how that works. It might be a board of directors. It might be a supervisor. It might be an outside auditing service. Uh, but there's someone that you are reporting to as oversight. Then you need companionship. You need people that share your life, share, know about your daily life, people that can encourage you, people that are in your uh, world and can kind of pick up when you're doing well and not doing well. But they're not necessarily people over you, but they're people that are friends that can help keep you accountable because they know how your heart works. They know what's going on. Then you need people that follow you. Um, maybe it's your your employees. Maybe it's people that you supervise. Maybe it's your classroom. Maybe it's people you mentor. And these are people that you lead and you share your life with, but they're also people that understand that you're accessible. You see, people below you need to know that you're accessible, not assume, not not assume that you're at a distance. You know, your your oversight shouldn't be you should be accessible to them. Your companions should be people that are around you all the time, but the people you lead should also know that you're accessible. Why? Because then you're 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 putting your life in a place of constant accountability. So here's how we do it kind of at, at Harvest. And, and we're a church, and so it, it doesn't work this way for every organization. But we have an oversight structure. Part of that oversight structure is we have three outside ministers who are not part of our uh, regular church congregation. They are pastors and leaders of other organizations. And uh, they provide oversight. Um, they do my review. They get into my life. They ask me the difficult questions. 
Um, they see our finances almost every month. Um, it's at least 10 times a year. They help us with our budget. They help us with legal issues. They help us understand how churches work. They help us uh, give us guidance when we need it. They're in our life. Well, if something were to happen to me, whether it was sin or whether it was uh, just moving on or whether it was I, I suddenly died, they're here to, to navigate all those things. And so they provide an outside deal. They can be the bad guy to me if I ever need a bad guy. Not They're great guys, but if I need to be corrected firmly, they can do that. We have an eldership structure. These are my companions. These are my brothers in arms. Um, in one sense of the word, while I lead as the lead elder, um, we're all co-equal in terms of leadership. Um, my elders are are not yes men. I mean, there's a gener- there's a high level of agreement on a lot of things. We'll talk about that a little bit next uh, next week. But they're not yes men. We have very spirited conversations very regularly, and uh, and they provide. Uh, friendship and accountability. A lot of them are good friends of mine. They're they're in my house. They know my wife. They're 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 wives. No, excuse me. Know my wife, and so they know what's going on uh, very regularly with uh, with our life and 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 stuff. Um, my staff is very similar, even though I'm I oversee them. Uh, again, not a bunch of yes people. We have spirited conversations and staff meeting, but they see me. They see how I live. How I live. They see my family. It's all there's that. Now, here's the why oversight so important. That group of people, uh, we're more friends than oversight kind of relationship, even though they have oversight in my life. The elders have accountability into my life. We're friends. And so the reason we have oversight is because any one of those elders can go to the oversight team. They've got concerns about me to help deal with those issues in a way that's healthy. And then we have congregational accountability. How's that work? Well, it works a bunch of ways. One, there's always the, the vote by feet. If things aren't going well, people leave. And that is a level of accountability. But here's the other thing. Um, I frequently talk about our oversight team. I frequently talk about our elders. And so if anybody in the congregation were ever to suspect uh, one of the elders or one of the leaders or me of any type of sin or wrongdoing, uh, they can go to the elders and they can go to the oversight team. It's all listed on our website. And then those those, that way they can help maintain accountability in the areas of sin and abuse and those kinds of things. And then there's a way in which the oversight and elders would work to make sure those situations are handled correctly. And so in that way, what I've done is, uh, is, is me personally, I'm accountable to people uh, above me and outside the organization on the same level as me inside the organization and then people that I lead all throughout the organization. And and again, I like it that way. I, I don't want to be one of these people that are is unknown. I want people to know me and to be able to trust me. And so uh, that's kind of what I recommend. Now, let me give you a couple steps to increasing accountability in your life. First up is really very important if you're in the business or financial world. Listen, I really encourage business leaders, financial leaders, nonprofit leaders, find outside sources that can vouch for you. If there's a way to get endorsed by sources in your industry that will do some type of accountability, listen, spend the money to do it. Go ahead and get it done. Like that, that's just that's just a way of staying above above reproach and and be um, forthright in your trustworthiness. Um, and then, and then be up front. I've got one, I sit on one board and uh, here in, uh, of a charity here in our county, love the leader, wonderful person. Like this leader shares so much with their board 
And and I kind of looking, kind of been at a board meeting. I'm like, man, this is a lot of information. And one time I was talking with them, and and this leader just said to me, "Listen, I know I overshare with the board, and I give the board information that really isn't their decisions. But I like it that way because I just want people to know what's going on. And I'm like, listen, that's a great way to lead. Over inform is always better uh, when it comes to being able to allow people into your life. Here's the second step, and this is a, applies personally." You need these three types of relationships in your life, regardless if they're organizational. I challenge people that I mentor all the time. Draw yourself a tic-tac-toe board. Put your name in the middle. Your top level are people that are like spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, Pauls in your life that feed into you, that have consequences in your life, that can check into you, that can tell you when you're wrong or when you're right or when when you need correction. Can you fill that line out? Are there at least three people that can do that in your life? The middle line right next to your name, those are your friends. Those are your Barnabases. They're there to encourage you. They're there to be there with you. Do you have people on that list, people that just know how you live, that encourage you? Honestly, that's my weakest list. It's harder. I have a hard time making friends and finding people to oversee me and finding people to lead. But you need those people in your life that can just encourage you and move you with life through you. And then bottom line are, are the people that you're mentoring, people that you're leading, Maybe they're your kids. Maybe they're uh, maybe you're in a mentorship program. Maybe they're in your life group, but they look to you for advice. And you need the, all those. You should be able to fill out that tic tac toe board with your name on it really easily, because you got all those levels of relationships. They add a level of accountability. And then be eager to seek advice among all levels. Be eager to get input from all levels, because again, like we said last week, if you're teachable. That's the key point of leadership, and that's the key point of following authority and accountability. And so that would be my advice to you. And so now we talked last week about accountability and authority. I'm sorry, last week about authority, this week about accountability. Next week, we're going to talk about how all these things work together in unity. So let me pray for us, and we'll be done for today. So Jesus, we first of all, thank you so much that you have called us um, to have our lives examined. And Lord, it's because you reward those that are humble. And so Lord, I just pray that we would be challenged to put our lives out in in a way that offers accountability, offers oversight, offers the uh, the ability to be known so that we could walk faithfully with you. And Lord, we we would take those steps Lord, to to find those key relationships in our life that provide the level of accountability that we need. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining me for a Harvest Talk. Uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook page to fill out the relationship questionnaire. And uh, as always, keep reaching people and building their lives. We'll see you next week. Take care.